So, if you could, open your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 7. We're continuing our study in Matthew's Gospel. And we're also continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount. Now we're on the home stretch of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to finish it in less than a year. So, you know, that's pretty good. We've got two weeks left after this week. But our passage today is connected to our passage last week that Pastor Matt shared with us where Jesus was talking about the narrow gate and the narrow way that leads to life. And so quickly, I want to read uh, the last two verses of last week's passage, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus is the way that leads to life. There's no other way. There's some that will say there's many ways that lead to God. That is a lie. There is one way to God, and that is through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. But Jesus does say there's many ways to destruction. That road is broad. That's an easy road to drive on, to walk on the path to destruction. And so this morning, Jesus is going to warn his followers about one of those ways that leads to destruction, and that is through false teaching and false prophets. And so let's go ahead and look at our passage today. It's Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. And so starting in verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. These are the words of the living God. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the words of Christ that we have in this sermon. Father, as we come to this passage today, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your word says and a heart to be obedient to its teaching. Lord, speak to us this morning. God, I thank you that your word is alive, that your word is active, that your word does speak to us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus begins this portion of the sermon with the word, Beware. Jesus is saying, watch out, pay attention to, heads up, look out, be careful. There's danger ahead. Jesus wants to protect his followers from those that would disguise themselves as followers, as sheep. 
And this makes sense because Jesus is the, he's the what? He's the good shepherd. He watches over his sheep. In John 10, he, he says this in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now Jesus, being the good shepherd, he's warning his sheep to keep an eye out, to look out for false prophets. Jesus isn't a hired hand. Jesus cares about his flock. He doesn't see the wolf coming and just say, well, I'm scared of this wolf, so I'm going to go and, and leave my people to themselves, to fend for themselves. No, Jesus cares about the flock, and so he's, he begins talking about false teachers by saying, beware, look out, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. And I want to highlight that even in this very first word, we can take comfort that we have a father, we have a shepherd that cares enough about us to protect us from those that would want to harm us. To, he cares about us to give us this warning on false prophets. And so before we get to uh, fleshing out what this means for us today and the implications of this text for us today, I, I want to take a few moments to look at who these false prophets were in Jesus' day. Jesus wasn't just speaking to us in the year 2023. No, there were false prophets there in his day that he was warning his followers about. And by looking at other passages in the Gospel of Matthew, we can see that some of these false prophets that Jesus was talking about were the scribes and the Pharisees. If you want to turn one page over, backwards, to Matthew chapter 5, in verse 17, I know this is a passage that we spent a few weeks looking at a couple of months ago, but Jesus says in, in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here Jesus is warning his disciples and he's warning them about the Pharisees and their false teaching. That they have relaxed the law in some parts and they've actually added to the law and other parts. And so the remainder of Matthew 5, Jesus begins uh, portions of his teaching by saying, you have heard that it was said. So you've heard the Pharisees say this, you've heard their teaching, but I tell you this. And he corrects their false teaching. Now, if you want to move over a few more pages to the other side, to Matthew 23, 
In Matthew 23, Jesus, he doesn't leave any ambiguity on who these false teachers are. He really takes the gloves off and goes after the Pharisees. But at the end of the chapter, in verses 27 and 28, he, he's calling out the scribes and the Pharisees for their false teaching and the way that they live their lives. In Matthew 23, verse 27, Jesus says, Woe to you! This, this woe is, is a judgment that he's speaking over the scribes and Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So outwardly, the Pharisees, they appeared righteous. They appeared safe. They appeared trustworthy. They appeared um, like the followers of Christ. They appeared to have a good message, but that was only a show. Jesus was showing his disciples and his followers that these Pharisees are dangerous, that they're hypocrites. This is very similar to how Jesus is describing these false prophets in our text today. Jesus says that these false prophets are wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, outside they appear safe. Outside they look like sheep. Who are the sheep? We are the sheep. Jesus is our shepherd. And so Jesus is saying, beware, there are those among you. There are those among my followers that on the outside they look like one of you, but they are not. On the inside, they're ravenous wolves looking to devour you. And so Jesus' first followers, they, they had to look out for these false teachers. But this wasn't something new. During Jesus' time, it wasn't the first time that false teachers had ever appeared. In fact, we, we don't have to go further than the first few chapters of Genesis to see the first false teacher in Satan. He, he came uh, deceiving. He didn't come uh, denouncing the existence of God. He didn't say, you know, that person you're talking to is imaginary, it's in your head. No, he, he claimed God existence, God's existence, but he brought another message. He challenged the Word of God and he deceived Adam and Eve. And then all throughout the Old Testament, we see false prophets come up. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah the, the prophet, his message was one of judgment and one of repentance to the people of Israel, letting them know that because of their idolatry, because of their paganism, because of their idol worship, that they were going to be uh, captured by Babylon and taken into captivity. But there were false prophets that came up and they said, no, we're hearing from God as well. And the word from God isn't judgment, but it's peace. Don't listen to Jeremiah. He's just trying to scare you. We bring you a prophecy of peace. And we see a good example of this in Jeremiah 28 where another self-proclaimed prophet was telling the Israelites that they would only be in captivity for two years. And after that, they were going to be restored and everything would be back to normal. Well, they were only off by about 68 years um, as Israel was in captivity for 70 years. 
And so false prophecy started before Jesus' day, it continued during Jesus' day, and it continued on as the early church was started. In fact, false teachers were really the, the main threat to the early church. In fact, almost every book of the New Testament, almost every epistle mentions false teaching in some way. And so let's look at a few examples of these warnings to the early church about false teaching. First, I want to look at Romans chapter 16. Paul, in his final instructions to the church in Rome, he warns them about false teachers, starting in verse 17 of Romans 16. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers. So beware, look out, listen to what I'm saying. To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So Paul is saying that there's those among you who are going to try to deceive you. Their message may sound smooth. It may be appealing to you. It may flatter you in some way. But beware, they're not looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. Now let's look at what the Apostle Peter has to say about false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 2. In verse 1 of chapter 2, Peter says, But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. Notice in both of these passages, they talk about deception. It's a covert operation. They're secretly going in the body and they're deceiving the body. They're distorting the truth. And these are the false teachers that are the most dangerous. There's some false teachers that it's obvious that the message that they are sharing is blatantly false. For example, you have the, the televangelists on TV that have the infomercials that, that sell the miracle spring water, right? That should be obvious to all of you that that's not true teaching. Ordering a little packet of spring water, no matter what it shows on the infomercials and no matter what the testimonies are, it's not going to bring you a $15,000 check in the mail. We see that, and, and that's obvious. That's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's a wolf in, in wolf's clothing. But there are teachers and prophets that are hard to spot. They look like one of us, and these are the ones that are dangerous to the flock. In the movies, when you have... Um, you've, you've seen the, the war movies where the enemy finds maybe a fallen soldier of the other side or a fallen stormtrooper of the other side, and they put on their uniform. They put on their costume. 
They put on their outfit, and because they're wearing the enemy's outfit, they're able to go and infiltrate and blend in with the enemy, much more than if they waltzed in with you know, their actual uniform. They'd be easily spotted. These are what these wolves in sheep's clothing are doing. This is what Jesus says to watch out for, that there are those among you who look like you, but their desire for you is destruction. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 15, he calls these apostles servants of Satan. So if they look like sheep and they buy like sheep and they smell like sheep, how do we spot them? How do we figure out who among us, who among the church is a false teacher or a false prophet? Well, thankfully, Jesus gives us that answer. He doesn't just say, hey, beware of the the wolves. There's wolves among you. They look just like you. Have a great day. No, he he equips us. He, He tells us what to look for to spot them since they are difficult to spot. In verse 16 of our passage, Matthew 7, verse 16, Jesus says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The obvious answer to that is no. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So Jesus tells us how to recognize them. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by what they are producing. All of us are producing some kind of fruit. All of us are bearing good fruit or bad fruit. And Jesus says, these false prophets, these false teachers, the fruit that they produce will be bad fruit. That a true regenerate prophet who has been saved, it will be impossible for the fruit of their lives to be bad fruit. On the other hand, an unsaved pagan cannot bear good fruit because they are a diseased tree. And so what does this fruit look like? If we're to recognize these false prophets and teachers by their fruit, what is the fruit that we should be looking for? Well, today I want to look at two different types of fruit that I think we see in Scripture that have to do with recognizing who a true prophet and teacher is and who one is that is false. And the first I want to look at is their message. This is the first fruit that we should be looking at in a teacher's life, someone who teaches and preaches the Word of God. What is their message? What is it that they are preaching? There's many today that on the surface, their message appears to be sound. They mention Jesus. They don't come out and and deny the, the deity of Christ. They'll say that Jesus is the Son of God. They'll mention... Uh, the cross, they'll, they'll quote scripture, they may even be giving you things that as you implement into your life, things seem to be going well, and it, be, it can be hard to tell right away if they are false or not, but we see in Galatians that even the false 
teachers that were infiltrating the church in Galatia, they proclaimed Christ. They didn't deny the existence of Jesus. No, they, they were saying Jesus will save you, but they were adding to the gospel. They were saying it's not just Jesus that saves, but all the men who are Gentiles, you also need to be circumcised in order to be, in order to be justified in the sight of God. So we need to watch out for those that would add to the gospel. They would take the gospel message and add to it. That yes, if you're sa- you just need to believe in Jesus to be saved, but also if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Or also if you're not practicing social justice, you're, you're not truly saved. Or if you're not adding, you know, fulfilling the law and, and obeying the law and the ceremonial law, then you're not truly saved. Watch out for those that would say those things because they are not sharing the true gospel. Now, there's also those that say the right things. They don't say anything wrong, but what you need to watch out for is what they don't say. There will be many uh, pastors and teachers and prophets that seem to say all the right things, but they fail to ever preach on repentance, on holiness, on God's righteousness, on God's wrath, on God's justice, because they're more concerned with filling their pews and selling books than they are concerned with the sheep and the life that God's flock is living out. And so you also need to be aware of those people. And I'm not saying that every time a pastor gets up or in every counseling session or in every book that they ever write, they have to, it has to be all about repentance and God's wrath. But if they never mention it, if they're only always talking about God wanting you to be healthy and prosperous and live your best life now, you need to watch out for those pastors and those teachers and those prophets because many of them are more concerned with their bank account than they're concerned with you living a life of holiness and you living a life of repentance. And oftentimes it's, it's these preachers or teachers or prophets that really if you listen to their message, they're saying that the way is broad to salvation. You, you can... Live how you want, do what you want to do, but if you, if you just say the sinner's prayer, you've punched your ticket into heaven. And there's a, a pastor, a theologian that I've heard, he's put it this way, that many pastors and prophets have sent more people to hell with their false message of the sinner's prayer than all the bars combined in the United States. That this... Really, it's a lie. If you just repeat these words, you're punching your ticket into heaven. No, that's not what we see in the Scriptures. That's not the message the apostles brought. That's not the message Jesus brought. Jesus' gospel was one of repentance, one of self-denial, one of self-sacrifice. And why is it that we need to repent? Because we are sinners. And many pastors, they shy away from the dreaded S word because it makes people uncomfortable. You know, nobody likes to to sit and hear about how sinful they are or how far 
they fall short from God. No, people want to hear that God loves you and God has an amazing plan for your life and God wants you to be prosperous and God wants to bless you. That satisfies our ears. So watch out for those that really they veil the truth. If they don't share on sin, on repentance, on holiness, on living a life of self-denial, if they don't talk about Christ's lordship, if it's just Christ as a Savior but not Christ as your Lord, watch out. Beware of those preachers. What Jesus is, is wanting us to see here is that the truth matters. By warning us about false teachers, there has to be a truth. There has to be an objective truth. Jesus cares about the truth. Jesus cares about doctrinal clarity. He cares about getting His Word right. Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, and the life. So there is a true message. And so for us today, we need to know what that true message is in order to spot the false message. We need to be in the Word more than ever than ever before today in 2023. Many people will say, well, things were so much better 100 years ago or 80 years ago, and our culture has just fallen apart today. You know why? It's because Bibles have been closed in the families of America that used to be open. And so because we've closed our Bibles, we've handed over our education to the, the public schools, or maybe even families have just handed over the Bible teaching to a 30-minute lesson on Wednesday nights for their kids or on Sunday mornings to the Sunday school teachers and haven't taken that responsibility on for themselves. Over the last 80 years, we've seen um, the truth become diluted. And recognizing what is true and what is false, the lines have become blurred because we as Christians have not been equipping ourselves with the truth of God's Word so we haven't been able to spot these false teachers, and so now our culture is where it's at today. And so in order to spot the lie, you have to know the truth. And there is a true gospel. Yes, Jesus does love you. Jesus did die for you, but he died for you for a reason, because you are a sinner in need of saving that your, your righteousness, your efforts to come close to God and be reconciled to God were fruitless. You and yourself cannot approach God in your own merits. Scripture says your righteousness is as filthy rags. And so that is why Christ died. He died to make a way for you. He died so that on His body, He could bear all of the judgment that was due us. God's perfect righteous wrath that should have been applied to us because of our sin was applied to Christ on the cross. And that is the true gospel. You, you can't share the gospel, you can't share the good news of the gospel without giving sinners the bad news of their own state, their own merits before a righteous and holy God. If you do that, you're not sharing the true gospel. And so watch out for those that will do that. 
that will share the gospel without any mention of repentance, any mention of of self-denial, of taking up your own cross and following Christ and submitting to Him as Lord. Because when they do that, they cheapen the work of, of, of Christ. They cheapen the cross. The cross is significant because of what Christ did for those that could not do it for themselves. The cross is significant because of our sin. And so some, they, they ignore this message completely on Sundays. There will be many churches in America that throughout the whole year, you never hear this message. You'll hear tips on, you know, how to have your best marriage or on how to um, unlock seven keys to prosperity or nine steps to financial freedom. None of these things are bad in themselves, but if that is all you are hearing from a pulpit, you need to beware of those pastors and those preachers. So we need to pay attention to not only what's being said, the message that they are sharing, but we need to watch out for what they are omitting from their message as well. And so that's the first fruit that we need to recognize whether a teacher is a true teacher or a false teacher. The second type of fruit is their character, the fruit of their character. How do these prophets, how do these teachers, how do these pastors live their lives once they are away from the pulpit? Once they get off the stage, how are they living their lives? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this, he said, the teaching and the life can never be separated. And where there is wrong teaching in any shape or form, it always leads to a wrong type of life in some respect. And you've seen this with pastors or teachers that either you see online or on social media that if their message just seems a little bit off, if you look at their lifestyle and how they're living, it, it kind of bears true to their message. You don't see a, a, a true life of holiness, one of repentance. And so we need to look at a person's character and judge them by their character. If they are claiming to be in the faith, if they are claiming to be a prophet or a teacher of the Word of God, we have the right to judge them by their fruit. So in the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, Paul literally uh, gives us a list of characteristics that we should see in a believer's life, in the life of one who has been filled by the Spirit. And he calls these the fruit of the Spirit. But before he gets to that list, he shows us what those who are unregenerate will exemplify in their lives. Those who aren't true followers, those who aren't true disciples, what is the fruit that we will see in their lives? And so let's look at Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, sadly, all of us can probably think of a few pastors or teachers that we've either seen you know, in the news or personally that we know that have had to resign because they've lived a lifestyle that follows these fruits. And no prophet, pastor, or teacher of the Word of God is a true prophet or teacher if they are living with any of these sins in their life and they're not repentant of these sins. Now, yes, we're all human. Uh, I'm going to have times where I may be jealous of something. I might get angry from time to time, believe it or not. I may not be perfectly patient all the time. But if I'm living in unrepentant envy, unrepentant jealousy, if I'm living in, in drunkenness and have no conviction about abusing alcohol, if, if I'm living a life of sensuality and, and show no conviction of that, don't listen to a word I say, no matter how sound it sounds biblically. And we, we need to be aware of these things. So that's, what, that's the fruit that you want to avoid that's the fruit of someone who isn't following Christ. But then Paul goes on to show what you should see in a true follower of Christ. He continues in verse 22 of chapter 5. Again, we're in Galatians. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So Paul says, if you truly are regenerate, if you truly are filled with the Spirit, you will show these fruits in your life daily. This isn't a one-time thing, or yeah, I was joyful you know, five years ago, when I got that promotion, and that was the last time I'm, I was joyful, and the rest of the time I've been angry. No, if you are truly regenerate, you will live a life of joy. You will live a life of love, of peace, of patience. You will exemplify these fruits in your life. And so, these are the characteristics that you should see in someone who is a true teacher, a true pastor, a true prophet of the Word of God, one who speaks the Word of God. You need to see that they have crucified their flesh, that they're striving for Christ's likeness in every area of their lives, that they truly desire to advance the kingdom of Christ in every area of their lives. In other words, they actually need to be Christians. Another way of, of looking at their character is that they should be modeling the Beatitudes in their lives. Are they poor in their spirit? Do they recognize their sin? Are they broken over their sin? Do they mourn their sin? When, when they fall short, when they sin, are they quick to repent? Do they hunger and thirst after righteousness? 
If you aren't seeing this fruit in someone's life, again, no matter how good their message appears to be, don't listen to them. There's plenty of other pastors and teachers who truly have good character that are preaching the truth that you can follow, that you don't need to be following someone who seems to be saying the good things, but they're not living it out after they leave the pulpit. This is why I'm cautious, and, and I want to caution all of you to watch out for the, the hundreds of theologians that appear to be popping up on YouTube these days. That, you know, they're, they're creating YouTube channels, and they, have all, they, they create a nice studio, they have all the nice lights and graphics, and they seem to be saying the right things. Just be cautious about them. You don't know them. You don't know their lives after they turn off the camera. Many of them, their account has been open for only a few weeks or a few months, but the algorithm knows that you like theological things, so it, it puts them in front of you. I'm not saying you can never learn from these people, but just be cautious. Just be careful not to absorb every word that they're saying and to implement it into your lives. Because without personally knowing them, you can't know their character. And so be careful. Watch out for them. Now, this might sound morbid, but this is why I like to read dead theologians. I, I like to read dead pastors and what they have said, because like the Puritans, for example, who have been dead for over 500 years, if some kind of character flaw hasn't popped up in the last 500 years, then I think it's pretty safe that you can listen to their teaching and their doctrine as long as it's biblically sound. So this is something that we need to watch out for. Your character truly does matter. It's not just the message that needs to be sound, but their character needs to be sound as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul gives the requirements for an elder, for an overseer of the flock, for a pastor, for a shepherd of the church of God. And in these requirements, he mentions two things. He mentions their message and their character. They need to be able to teach. They need to rightly be able to teach the word of God. But the majority of the requirements in 1 Timothy 3 deals with their character. How are they at home? Are they loving their wives? Are they loving their only wife? Are they discipling their children? Are they not drunkards? So we see in Scripture that the message of the prophet, the message of the teacher, the message of the pastor, it's very important, and equally as important is their character as well. So these are the types of fruit that we need to be looking for, that we need to recognize in a pastor, in a prophet, in a teacher, and determine whether or not their fruit is good fruit or bad fruit. Now let's look at the rest of our text today. Again, we're in Matthew 7, verse 19. Jesus says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Then he repeats himself, Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. God will judge every tree. God will judge everyone's fruit. And there may be some wolves that 
in this life never get spotted. That they do such a good job of deception and living a private life that nobody knows about. But God will have the final say. God is the one who determines what to do with that tree. And many will be thrown into the fire. The unregenerate tree that bears bad fruit will be thrown into the fire. But hear me on this. This doesn't just apply to the false prophet. This applies to everyone that's in here that is hearing my voice today. The unregenerate person who doesn't turn to Christ, who doesn't place their faith in Christ, who doesn't repent and trust in His work on your behalf, will be thrown into the fire. Either we're abiding in Christ, we're living in in the fruit of the Spirit, we've trusted in Christ and we're filled with His Spirit and we're bearing good fruit, or we're living a life outside of Christ, apart from Christ, we're living a life on that broad path to destruction, bearing bad fruit. The result of that lifestyle is death. And so in closing, uh, we can have the worship team come up as we'll take communion shortly. I want to ask you, what fruit are you bearing today? What is the fruit that you are producing? Is it good fruit? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Does your life look more like the second part of Paul's passage in Galatians 5, or does it resemble more of the first part with sensuality and envy and drunkenness and jealousy and fits of rage? Maybe you're in here today and you've been playing church. You're not necessarily a wolf in sheep's clothing, but you've been playing the part of a Christian. You come in here every Sunday, you raise your hands, you you know the right things to say, you know the Christian lingo. But outside of the church, there's no good fruit. There's no lifestyle of repentance. There's no self-denial. There's no crucifying of your flesh. If that's you today, stop fooling those in here. Stop fooling yourself and turn to Christ. You cannot be made righteous in your own self. You can only be made righteous through the work of Christ. And so look to Him. If, if you're struggling today, maybe, there's, maybe you've truly repented and there's, there's a certain sin that you just are having a hard time with, lay that at the feet of Christ. Pray and ask Him to, to fill you more and more with His Holy Spirit. And I truly believe He will fill you with His Spirit. Paul says that those who are Christians, they will be showing the fruit of the Spirit. Rely on the finished work of Christ. And as you do, you you will bear good fruit. Amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand this morning as we prepare for communion. This is a time of remembering what I've just been talking about. Remembering the work that Christ did for you that made it possible for us to be in here today boldly coming before the throne of God. We can enter into 
His presence today boldly worshiping the one true holy God only because of the finished work of Christ. This is also a time of repentance. Before you come to the table, think about your life. Reflect on your life over this past week. Is there any sin that you haven't dealt with? Is there any sin that you've been letting linger in your life that you've been, ma- been making little of, that you've maybe been overlooking? Pray and ask God to illuminate that sin. And as He does, as, as the Holy Spirit brings conviction, lay it at the feet of Christ today as you come to His table. And again, the the table is open for all believers, but it is for believers. If you're not a, a Christian today, turn to Christ. You need Christ. Living a life outside of Christ is a road that leads to destruction. It leads to death. It leads to being thrown into the fire. But there is a way, and that is through Jesus Christ, that leads to life. It leads to good fruit. It leads to lasting fruit. So submit to Christ today. Turn to Him and trust in His work. At this time, let's pray. After I pray, the ushers will lead you uh, to come and gather to receive of the elements. After you receive those, go back to your seat and with your loved ones, take communion together and then we'll continue in worship. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the work of Christ. Lord, I thank you for his message. I thank you for his heart, for his people. God, that he cared so much for us to not just save us, but to also equip us with the truth to give us a warning of those that are false prophets, those that are wolves. God, I pray that we would continue to live our lives in the word of God so that we can spot the lies of the enemy and also that we can be sanctified, that we can be daily made more into the likeness of Christ. Lord, I thank you for his finished work. God, on the cross, he said, it is finished. Lord, today we trust that his death, that his sacrifice was enough to satisfy the wrath that you had for us for every sin that we've ever committed or that we will ever commit because Jesus said it is finished. And so, Lord, we come to the table today celebrating that finished work of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.